Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, hello and welcome to episode 86 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. Michaela, you have made it back from the Mile High City. Uh, you, uh, you introduced everyone to the perfect way to make a screwdriver this week on the lobby bar, so we definitely appreciate that. Uh, but what else has been going on? You made, you made it back, so you were here this past weekend. Did you get caught up on uh, any other movies or did you have any good, any good cocktails? Welcome home cocktails. I did. Okay, so I found a really lovely canned rosé. Okay. Uh, that was great for the pool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now you had a yeah. you had a you had a previous favorite uh, rosé, which came in a plastic bottle, uh, which yes. was your favorite which was your favorite pool rosé. But did, yes, did this did this can of rosé replace it? Is um, it a is it a substitute? Is it a no? You, you no, can, you can sneak a can in easier than than a, a no. Bottle? I mean, let me be clear. I'm going to need multiple cans to get it through a pool day. Um, no, that 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 bottle um plastic bottle it's called french pool toy if you can find it it's like ten dollars a bottle and it is a really solid rosé it's very good if for some reason you can't bring a whole bottle and you can only do a can this one was called house wine okay Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's and which maybe everybody else uh on the planet knows um you can get it at like a target or a grocery store or whatever because it's a it's a wine I found it to be quite refreshing. Um, it does have to be really cold. If it warms up, it is not nearly as good. So make sure that you've got a cooler or whatever. But um, I discovered that for the first time this weekend. And I think okay. it's way better. Um, I just prefer it to the Underwood, which is also a really famous rosé wine mm-hmm. that I have had. Um, I think this is a little bit deeper in flavor. Um, and it's got a nice, nice effervescence to it. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I've heard of house wine um, before, like in the box wine realm, but I've not ever seen uh, their cans and I've not seen anything because they did like a house wine, uh, white and a red. So uh, yeah, I have to keep an eye out on that. Uh, the can cocktails and the can wine are always uh, good to have on hand for pool days and uh, boat days and going camping days and, you know, kind of anything you're doing outside. Those are the uh, perfect thing to have. So uh, while you were gone, let's see, what did we do? We got caught up on some uh, TV shows. Uh, we binged through all of uh, Dope Sick, which is on Hulu. Um, it stars Michael Keaton. Um, it is about the uh, opioid uh, crisis and uh, kind of you know lawsuits that stem from that. Uh, that was really good. We watched through that. Um, we started watching um, Under the Banner of Heaven. We've almost finished uh, through that. Uh, that's Andrew Ooh, Garfield. Tell me about that. What's that? Um, yeah, so that is um, it's based on a true story um, and then uh, uh, kind of novel that followed along after it but it's uh basically a murder um in this uh mormon town in utah andrew garfield um is a mormon uh detective um and so it's kind of like this uh true crime thing um also as a crisis of faith kind of a thing um and it's andrew garfield so of course uh he's excellent um so definitely recommend that that's on hulu as well so uh definitely check that out check out dope sake both on hulu um and uh yeah really good so check those out they were uh both nominated for some a uh, couple of Emmys each, I believe. So, or and yeah, so really good. So just been catching up on some TV. Um, you know, staying inside. It was really hot uh, over the weekend. I did get outside a little bit. Um, enjoyed some sunshine, but not too much, as my uh, my skin was uh, thanking me for later for sure. But uh, now, Michaela, what we're going to do is we're going to go in a time machine. We're going to travel back in time. 25 years to mm, 25 to, years so I, I i don't i don't even know uh you know where this where this fits but this movie came to us because it was uh they were showing it at our movie theater as one of those fathom events and we're like 25 years we should definitely cover this uh and that movie is the fifth element so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back to whip up this week's cocktail this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little 
or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So this week, we're traveling to Floston Paradise. Yes. Which yes, apparently <laughs> is like a ship that it, travels the world or the universe. Well, it's, a, it's like a cruise is, ship, but in the air. It's like a it's like a cruise ship uh, that goes through space. Uh, it's very similar to the uh, cruise ship at uh, Disney World that we just went on. I think it goes to it goes to a planet that is full of beaches um, and all of those things. And Flossed in Paradise, it's beautiful. Now, normal people like us can't just go there, Michaela. You have to you have to win a contest to be able to go. You know, just right. like Corbin Dallas uh, has to do. Although that one was rigged, but we can go there in spirit, right? Uh, with right. with. With a delicious cocktail. And this one comes from the YouTube channel, Common Man Cocktails. Uh, it's where we found it. Uh, Floss in Paradise. Uh, it, look, it looks great from the brochures. Uh, it looks great on the YouTube uh, channel there. And we wanted to try it out. Because who doesn't want to go to Floss in Par- Paradise? Who doesn't want to go there? I mean, they've got, they've got, there's action. Bruce Willis is there. He has hair. There's like an eight, eight foot he has, tall he has blonde blue hair, diva yeah. singing crazy song i mean it's amazing it's amazing it you want to go if you're listening the, you know you want to go sh- the ship might get blown up but that's okay it is worth the risk and this cocktail i think is worth the risk michaela um, it absolutely so, is. so why don't we whip one of these up it's it's very simple uh which is nice we like we like simple here so that's right so this this calls for one and a half ounces of my daddy's favorite gosling's black seal rum only mm-hmm. one and a half ounces but uh, it packs a punch. Then you need half an ounce of any sort of ginger liqueur that you can get your hands on. Now, um, we found some Domain Canton, which we were able to find at our liquor store. But that mm-hmm. is not a cheap bottle of a ginger liqueur. So if you find one cheaper, I'm sure it's fine um, because you only need half an ounce of it. So we're going to be drinking a lot of these <laughs> to get through that bottle. But yeah. uh, to add to that, you're going to need one ounce of pineapple juice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what you're going to do is you're just going to put all of that in a shaker and stir it uh, or not stir it, shake it with ice and then pour it into um, a chilled coupe glass because it looks real fancy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you're going to drink it. And then you are going to drink it indeed. Yeah. Um, like I said, this one is uh, pretty easy to put together um, and it has kind of some tropical ingredients. And we're going to talk about how those come together here in a second. But um, like you said, one and a half ounces of the Gosling's Black Seal Rum. If you don't have that particular one, um, that's a that's a pretty inexpensive bottle if you're looking for a uh, like a black strap rum. Uh, so that's a good one. Uh, Cruza makes one. You could probably uh, you could use like Captain Morgan Black, Kraken, you know, any of like the any of like the dark, uh, like the black strap rums. And then, yeah, a half ounce of this ginger liqueur. And you and I both uh, found Domain the Canton, uh, which, like you said, is a more expensive bottle. Um, and that's because it's French. So it has a little bit of cognac in it. Uh, and that's the same reason that uh, Grand Marnier is expensive and Chambord is expensive, uh, where you can get you can get a raspberry liqueur for nine dollars, but you can get Chambord for thirty five dollars. <laughs> So uh, that's kind of that's that's kind of the the difference there. But yeah, you could use you could use any ginger liqueur that you find, and then yeah, the one ounce of pineapple juice. So mix that up, um, and I expected it myself to be uh, much more tropically tasting than it was, um, be, because you're looking at it and you're like, okay, rum and the pineapple juice, um, ginger. Uh, you know, this is going to take taste a little bit more like a tiki thing, but it's not. It's very it, it packs a punch for sure. The that uh that black rum and the ginger liqueur it, it it packed the punch oh yeah oh yeah no i was concerned that this was also going to be very gingery um because the ginger liqueur is very potent um if you take if you take a sip of it by itself it's it's very gingery and i am not a huge ginger person i like it but it can definitely be overpowering so yeah i was surprised that this does not taste like a mai tai like at all and it no. does not taste like um, you're biting into some gingerness or like we've had, uh, we made our own uh, ginger liqueur, um, kind of ginger infused vodka once you and me, and mm-hmm. that was way more gingery than this. So um, it's actually pretty even, it packs a punch the very first time you sip it. 
Um, but I think that probably a couple of sips in halfway through the drink, I was really enjoying it and I enjoyed it so much. I actually made a second one, which mm-hmm. doesn't always happen here on the drink, the movies. Um, yeah. so yeah. that, that, that's, that speaks, I think. Yeah, for sure. And, um, I was, I was looking at it and I was looking forward to this one because one of my favorite kind of long drinks is the dark and stormy, um, which is, if you're familiar with the Moscow mule, it's basically just that, except you're using a black strap rum instead of the vodka. So it's, it's the rum, uh, ginger beer and then the lime and i thought that this was going to be more akin to that um in a way it kind of is so i kind of look at it as like the dark and stormy is like what you're drinking like all day long when you're out at the beach or at the pool or or on your cruise to flossom paradise but then when you go in for dinner you know you put on your suit uh, you have the whole rack of suits come out uh you you put on that suit and you need something a little bit more classy and you're going to switch to this the uh flossom paradise um you know with this it's it's a little bit more a little bit more highbrow, I guess, kind of version of the dark and stormy. And, and I like that. I think that that was nice. And, and, um, you know, we've mentioned it a couple of times. It's fun to, to get into new ingredients and to use them in ways that we never have. And uh spoiler for next week in the lobby bar, I actually found a really good recipe uh, for that Domaine de Canton, the ginger liqueur. So if you go out and buy a bottle of this, I promise next week, I will give you a good recipe uh, to use it for. Um, because like you said, the half ounce, that's going to, that's going to go a long way in this expensive bottle. Yeah, I got, we got a lot of drinks. We're going to have to figure out how to make with this stuff. So, um, which is good for that app that you mentioned, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So cocktail flow. So, uh, that's a good one and a good way to do that. But Michaela, now we have these drinks made. We are on our cruise. We are headed to paradise to save the world, uh, to find Lilu, uh, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully get one up on Zorg, find these stones and get things taken care of. So let's take our cocktails. Let's take a break. And we will be right back to chat about the science fiction classic that is the fifth element. Spoiler warning for the fifth element. If you've not yet seen this amazing classic by Luc Besson, then you should probably stop right now and go watch it because we're going to talk about it. But first, but maybe before you do that, go and make yourself a floss in paradise because you really should drink and watch this at the same time. It might help. It might, yes. it, it might help. That, that's, that's right. It might help you get through that first screening because uh, this is an insane ride. And and yeah, we're going to we're going to go and talk about the whole thing. So uh, this came out in 1997, which was 25 years ago, directed by Luc Besson, as Michaela stated. And this one stars a Bruce Willis, a blonde haired Bruce Willis uh, as Corbin Dallas, Mia Jovovich as Lee Lu, the fifth element herself, Gary Oldman as Zorg, and of course, the incomparable Chris Tucker as Ruby Rod, who is going to be serving as our DJ as we make our way to Flossed in Paradise. Michaela, 25 years this thing has been out. Is that that's crazy? I can't believe I'm I'm older than 25. How did this happen? World, I don't know. people we of are, all, how did we, this happen? We are old. We're old. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it snuck up on us. I mean, to be fair, the fifth element is not something that you think about day in, day out. I mean, it resides in your brain. You can never forget it once you've seen it. It just lodges itself in there. But, um, but hadn't thought about it in a while. You and I were at the movie theater. Uh, a couple weeks ago and they were doing you know they have the, like the fathom events where they're doing like the anniversary shows and all that sort of thing and uh they were having uh the fifth element on for the 25th anniversary and we're like oh yeah the fifth element that would be good that would be fun that's a fun movie let's talk yeah. about that but but yeah i think it, it's exciting to come out it uh, is. 25 years ago and this one was I, I don't know i don't know if i would say that it is groundbreaking but it definitely it definitely holds a place in a lot of people's hearts this was nominated for one academy award and that is sound effects editing it lost um but there were in 1997 was it was an insane year for movies so it's it would be easy for this one to get you know kind of lost in the in the annals of time but it it's so good it stands out so well um there were three big science fiction releases that year michaela uh so you had this one of course fifth element um he also had men in black came out that year and starship troopers that is like a that's a crazy amount of science fiction movies oh coming gosh. out in in one year and then Taboo, I mean, 1997, you know, you had a, a couple other good movies. You had As Good As It Gets. You had Good Will Hunting. You had Titanic. You had uh, Amistad. You had Boogie Nights. You had Jackie Brown. 1997 was the best year for movies of all time, pretty sure. It it really, it really was. It really was. And the fact that people are still, uh, you know, watching this and are excited to see it in a theater after 25 years, this, this very much was, uh, you know, reminiscent of my 
gosh, my teenage years. I mean, everybody loved this movie when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to get we're going to get into all the things that make it that make it the story and the amazingness that it is. <laughs> that's that's right. We'll try to do it justice. We will try to explain it in any sort of way that makes sense because uh, it it gets uh, it gets a little crazy, but it is a, it is a ton of fun. And this one gets kicked off. We are in uh, Egypt, presumably. I'm guessing there's camels. There's some sort of uh, uh, Egyptian tomb uh, looking thing. We've got a I don't know, some sort of explorer guy and his assistant who's played by Luke Perry. Uh, I think it's hilarious that Luke Perry gets his name like plastered on the front of this thing uh, as being a star of the show. He's literally in it for like three minutes, uh, basically causes nearly the end of the world. Uh, it was pretty close. It was, it was hit or miss there for a minute. But uh, but yeah, we're in Egypt. This crazy spaceship comes down and lands. These big turtle aliens come out. Uh, and, the men- and they're just, men- they're just ones. To- they're called the Mendashi ones. They're here to check. Right. They're here to check on us. They're here to check here, on us. It's it's very. What Dr. are they Who checking looking. on? We're like three. Know. Apparently, we're three hundred years away from this this five thousand year evil that's supposed to come every five thousand years. Mm-hmm. It's nineteen fourteen. They look like like um, I don't know. They you know what they look like? Like in the movie Return to Oz, um, the guy. <laughs> TikTok. He was like a giant clock that looks like he mm. was made out of brass, and it's can it use it kind of d- does this Humpty Dumpty kind of walk these doom 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 doom. The Minoshi ones, they're very sweet looking. They they look like metal ducks, just yeah. ginormous metal duck things. And uh, this this scientist guy who is inscribing this tomb thing, he's like, oh my gosh, I found this amazing picture pictogram of these elements and this fifth element thing in the middle and it's this perfect being and we've never seen anything like it and this priest is like okay you need to leave and then he tries to poison him because he's like you can't know anything about this and then Mm. of course the giant mendashiwan duck things come in and um luke perry man you know he 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 gets a lot of credit in this movie for basically shooting a gun and they you know the the tomb comes together and they're like you have you know they're the <laughs> mendashi one guy is telling the priest you know in in two and a half seconds before everything gets like closed up in this tomb that he needs to pass down this information because in 300 years you know things are about to get real the evil will return and we have to take um we have to get into this tomb and we have to take out these stones and um, you have to take out the fifth element because if we leave it on Earth, it, it, Earth is going to be destroyed in an attempt to destroy the entire universe. Mm-hmm. It's a whole mm-hmm. big thing, and it's only the first five minutes. It is. It is a whole big thing. And despite Luke Perry uh, shooting them uh, for no reason at all, um, they're going to take these stones and they're going to leave, but they're going to come back. When they need to come back to protect the earth, they're going to come back. Uh, they know Luke Perry will no longer uh, be here when they need to come back. They're willing to, to come back maybe is is what the uh, what the situation is. So, yeah, they leave. We go 300 years into the future. Um, and now we are uh, we're there with the president. Uh, we see this giant ball of. I don't know, fire. It looks like a little like miniature sun. It is barreling towards the earth. They're uh, trying to figure out what to do with this thing. They start shooting missiles at it. Uh, and that seems to go not that great. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, luckily we have a priest, a new priest. Uh, I guess we're presuming that he is the descendant of the line of these priests. And he's played by Ian Holm. Uh, Bilbo Baggins himself uh, is here right. to play the priest. And he's saying, stop shooting rockets at that thing that's not going to do the trick we need to find the fifth element we need to find these stones uh you know the crazy turtle aliens they're going to come back and save us stop shooting missiles at it listen to me i know what i'm talking about yeah and the president now i want to say it's been 300 years right so we're a little bit more evolved so it's the president of the world not just president of the united states so apparently we've all figured out how to live together uh i i i call i call bs on that but it only took 300 more years and he says there's like 200 billion people now. I don't. I don't know that we could support 200 billion people. I'm pretty sure we couldn't. But, but yeah. Yeah, alas. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, all good. All good questions. Um, but yeah, this priest is like, look, this is a real problem, and they're they're like, they don't pay him any attention. They're like, yeah, thanks so much. Um, yeah, we're we'll go collect the stones, no problem. And he's telling them that the Manashi ones, the turtle people, they're coming back. 
Um, they're in route. They'll be here any day now. And of course, they see that the Mondashi ones are, um, they've got a little, I, I don't even know. It looks like a, it looks like a teardrop, like a very, like a rusted teardrop flying through space. This, mm. <laughs> this their ship. And yeah. um, uh, the priest gen gentleman is like, they're coming and they're going to have the stones and it's going to be amazing. Well, of course, uh, someone, and we don't um, know who yet, but there, there was a group of these really ugly looking alien folks. They're kind of like rhinoceroses, but they, they're, they're smaller and um, <laughs> they're, they're kind of dog looking. Mangalores. Mangalores. Yeah. They're, um, they're not, they're not a good looking uh, race of creatures. And yeah, the, the Mongolores, they come, they blast our friendly aliens out of the sky. Uh, it's not good. We don't know why they're doing that or who sent them. But, but bad news, because this uh, sun-sized thing is coming in to Earth. It's coming into Earth. Well, so they they search the wreckage because they're like, oh, do we have any, do we see the stones? And they don't see any stones. And they're like, oh, gosh. But they did see, um, I guess there was a, a person that was holding on to like a suitcase. And the suitcase seems to be gone, but their hand has survived. And somehow that is enough. That's all we need now, 300 years from now. That's all okay. we need to recreate an entire human being. And there's this really cool scene, actually, because this the scientist guy is talking about how uh, the, the DNA is that they've extracted from this hand and how they're going to recreate it and look at it. And they do this really cool, um, uh, basically, they, they 3D print this person, which... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm was not a thing uh but now we're 3d printing houses and villages and all sorts of things um and so it's it's actually really cool that this was had the foreshadowing that it did and it's mm -hmm. a really a neat scene where um you know they finally they're like oh this this if this being is so perfect we've done all this testing and they did it in five seconds and the, this <laughs> genetic uh, it's a genetic anomaly. This being yeah. is so perfect and wonderful and turns out <laughs> it has like three times the amount of DNA or something. Yeah. Yeah. That, that it's supposed to have. So they, it's totally fine. And so it, it's in this like giant tube and, um, you know, they go through this whole thing and they really do 3d print a person. So they like put the bones together and then they put the, the, the circulatory system and then they expose it to UV light and it grows skin. It's just, it's one of my favorite scenes because, Someday they're actually going to be able to do this. And when they do it to whoever uh, is, if you're going to recreate me, can you make me look a little thinner? Can you just, I don't need to know how you do it, but can you that, 3D print me just a little bit, a little bit thinner? Anyway. That's right. Yeah. Pop, pop a hand into the, into the pod and out comes Mila Jovovich. She is playing, right. uh, she's playing the fifth element. Uh, we learn later that her name is Lilu. Uh, maybe that's really her name. We don't know for sure. Cause she doesn't speak uh, English, of course, uh, you know, being an alien being from an alien planet and being entombed for however long, uh, you know, she's entombed for, she basically just uh, pops out every uh, 5,000 years to fight back this uh, giant ball of fire from the sky. Uh, but yeah, she comes out. She is in this uh, in this tube. She's just been 3D printed, uh, but she busts out. That can't contain the fifth element. Uh, and then she just jumps through the wall, which is just made of aluminum foil. Uh, it's like this whole lab was inside of a thing of Jiffy Pop popcorn. She gets out and she is running through the city. But luckily, we have a hero. We have a hero out there, a uh, former, former military hero uh, turned taxi driver. Yeah by the name of Corbin Dallas. Corbin Dallas. Um, he's one of the coolest guys ever. Um, he's kind of a lonely uh, guy. He had a he wife. Has a cat. Left he him. has a cat. He has a cat. He has a cat. That's true. Um, but he he's a cab driver. He wears a lot of orange. His hair is dyed uh, very light, very light blonde. And mm -hmm. um, he's kind of a loner. His friend Finger, I, I don't, I, that's what they do. 300 years from now, my great, great, great grandson is going to be called Toe or something. Um, his friend Finger was like, hey, I need to do some work on your cab. He's only got like three points left on his license because apparently they kept that point system over 300 years. Don't know why they mm -hmm, did that. Mm -hmm. But he's driving. He's on his way to go and get his car fixed. And uh, Lilu is, has jumped out of the sky um and literally falls in the back of his cab yeah that's right she and falls she falls from the air into the did cab i mentioned that the cabs can fly did we talk about this 
Yeah, in 300 years, all the cabs yeah. will fly. Of course, that makes right. sense. Um, and the cities will be gigantically tall. Um, it's like Coruscant in Star Wars. It's just a city that goes up and up and up. But yeah, Corbin is driving his taxi. He only has one point left. Uh, Lilu uh, just falls out of the sky. Uh, fifth Element crashes into the back of your cab. What are you going to do? The police pull you over. Uh, you say, sorry, sorry, Lilu. Uh, but she she can kind of read the back of his taxi, uh, which says, uh, please help. Uh, so she gets those words out. And, you know, Corbin, uh, he, he's a taxi driver with a few points, but he has a big heart. Uh, so what does he do? He takes off. He avoids the police and he gets Lilu to, uh, safely uh, to the priest, Cornelius. That's right, which is great because he was sent home from the president. He was like, thanks for telling us that uh, the entire universe is going to be destroyed. Uh, we'll call you if we need you. It's like, don't look up. It just continues forever. Exactly. It's like, it's fine. It's fine. Just go home. Just go home. It'll be fine. So he's waiting and he sees, uh, he finally meets Lilu. He's got like an assistant mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that is uh, hilarious. Um, so funny um, because the assistant is just this bumbling kind of idiot. And he's like super faithful as a priest, but he's just, he's just not there. He's not able to like execute any of the things that he's supposed to do. And so they're, kind of uh, waking her up, letting her, well, they're letting her sleep. They're getting her some clothes because she she was wearing these amazing thermal bandages. We need to talk about the costuming because mm. one thing that I think really didn't get enough credit is the costuming of for this whole film. Like the colors and the fact that they, like all of the regular people's clothes look mm, like mm-hmm. they've been stitched uh, like it's it's basically stitched dyed burlap or something. It's just crazy. And the yeah. when Lilu is made in her little tube, um, they're like, oh, we're going to apply thermal bandages. So she's wearing as little as possible, while yeah. while still being able to be seen as a as a family okay show. Oh, it's kind PG, of PG-13, PG-13. Yeah, the uh, the, ther- the thermal bandages do not leave a lot to the imagination, we'll say. But yeah, the costuming's pretty good. Um, like I said, Corbin has like this orange t-shirt he wears that matches uh, Lilu's hair uh, through most of the movie. Um, yeah, he he takes her to to see Cornelius. Uh, they say, okay, we need to go find these stones. Uh, we know where the stones are now. Uh, they're in Foston City. That's where we need to go. We need to get there. Um, how are we going to get there? We're poor. I'm I'm a priest. You're a cab driver. Uh, she's the fifth element that doesn't come with cash. I mean, it's a pretty important job, uh, but but no money. So how do you how do you get there? Uh, well, as it turns out, there is I don't know some sort of like radio thing it's going like, on, some sort of yeah. radio contest. You can you can win a trip to Flossen City, and luckily. Uh, Corbin, being ex-military, he has some friends in high places that rig the contest for him to win. Uh, it's <laughs> probably one of my favorite scenes uh, is because like the like the military people are like coming to Corbin's apartment, which is like this weird little like future apartment. It has all of these little like slots and trays and things that like pop out of the wall and weird stuff like, like a, a mail house. shoot that comes. Yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty awesome. But they come and he's like hiding them. He like stuffs them into like this. I don't know, refrigerator. He stuffs like three people into there in his tiny apartment. It doesn't make any sense, but it's pretty hilarious. He puts Cornelius on a bed, like shrink wraps him when he's when he's in there. Uh, uh, pretty great stuff. But yeah, Corbin wins this trip. And by wins, like I said, he is basically set up to go because the military says, you need to go get these stones, dude. Uh, you're the only one that can do it. Our, yeah. <laughs> our former military turned taxi driver guy. Uh, you might yeah. say you're retired, but you're not. Go save the world go save the world and he's like that's fine but i gotta i gotta take uh i'm, I'm taking lilu with me and so they go to the i guess it's the airport i'm not really sure because it looks gross there's a bunch of garbage everywhere um yeah i guess we haven't and, solved that problem in 300 and the, years and the lady apologizes for the garbage so like yeah. they acknowledge that it was uh, uh like, trashy sorry about the garbage uh, which is, this is, which is pretty great yeah. yeah no it's it's great and Again, the costume is amazing because everyone on Flossed in Paradise is wearing these really interesting like blue lavendery kind of suits that have this we- these weird cutouts right in the chest area. So like it's mm, a high mm-hmm. collar thing, but there are these cutouts. So you get some, you get a look at everyone's chest, but it's it's still covered up. It's very strange. It's very, I've never seen anything like it. It's, it's before or since. Not, not enough kudos given uh, to this to this costuming team, but um everybody's trying to become Corbin Dallas and get on this, right? We realize that the 
Mangalores or the Mongolores, they were working for this guy named Zorg, who's played by the mm. amazing Gary Oldman. Mm -hmm. This is one of my favorite characters that Gary Oldman has ever played because he is a monster, but you also kind of like him. He's got this weird southern accent. <laughs> like, yeah, he's so he sounds like you know, he's he's you know, right to bear arms, right to arm bears. What you gonna do? You know, it's fine. And he's giving them uh weapons in exchange for these stones and the way he mm -hmm. describes the weapon is amazing he's like this is my favorite part right here you know it's so funny but he's a monster he's not a good person not and a good person not a good hairpiece not a good hairpiece either he's got that like again the makeup and costuming is weird because he's got this weird looking comb over and there's a piece of plastic that's like holding it all together somehow that is yeah. cool 300 <laughs> years from now um <clears throat> it is and he has he has a very cool costume too like his outfit is very cool it's like matching like cape and pants um it, it's like green and like kind of kind of striped and he walks yeah. with a limp gary oldman as zorg is the best zorg is the best it, villain probably ever right yeah yeah and but zorg is not even evil in and of himself he is actually being hired by the super evil sun thing <laughs> Mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. barreling towards earth right and yep. so he's like oh you need to you know you need my costs have tripled and he's like and th this ominous voice that's calling him over the phone is like money does not matter only the stones matter and that should have been his first clue right that, hey you know i don't know if i'm gonna be alive to spend any of this money but yeah. it's not you know whatever and so you know he's trying to get his team of people in to as as corbin dallas onto this ship um you know, the Mongolors are trying to do, uh, get onto the ship. Everyone's trying to get on the ship, but none of them make it, um, except for the priest who hides out in like the cargo space. Um, yeah. Which is, which had all these gross looking little like alien baby bug <laughs> things. They were like critters, but not maybe, ugh, nasty. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So they get on the, they get on this uh, cruise ship kind of thing. It is going to Floss in Paradise. I don't know. Corbin Dallas was the winner of this trip, right? So he's kind of like a celebrity on board, um, but he's not the celebrity on board. The celebrity on board is Ruby Rod, played by Chris Tucker. Uh, he's kind of like a like an Arsenio Hall sort of figure, I guess, kind of in this thing. He is very loud. He is uh, very obnoxious. Uh, he's very excitable. I like that he he makes like this B sound when he wants people to go away. He's like, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty great. And he goes through like these whole like big diatribes and then he'll ask Corbin a question and, and Corbin's just like, okay, and that's it. And uh, you can just see him like getting more and more flustered with them. But they are on the ship. They are on their way to Floston City. They need to find these stones. Now, Lilu's going because, you know, the bad guys have infiltrated the ship. So she's doing her best to fight them off. But Corbin, he's just going to the opera. He's there for a good time. Front row tickets. Uh, him and Ruby Rod sitting there taking in the spectacle. Absolutely. And it's not really the opera unless you have a diva that is also going to be singing some cool operatic stuff. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I got to say, this diva was pretty great. She's like nine feet tall. She's blue. She's got lots of tentacle things coming out of her head. But yet she's still actually quite, quite attractive. And she's got mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. amazing voice um, that can she do, does, I don't yeah. know, like 65 octaves. It's, it's very, the song that she sings is pretty crazy. At first, it's very classical. You know, like, and then yeah. it just, it gets very, I can't do it. Get, I'm not even going to try. It gets a little, it gets a little funky, a little, a little flossed yeah. and flossed and funky, I guess. But yeah, she's there. Uh, Dallas is totally like smitten uh, with her. He is just sitting there watching her. He is entranced by her, by her angelic singing. Uh, but bad news because Lilu can't hold off the bad guys forever. They break, they break in the, uh, the dog, uh, rhinoceros looking guys. I forget what you said. Their names were Mongolores. Um, the Mongolores. Yeah. They get in, they start shooting up the, <laughs> the theater. Um, and unfortunately our diva, uh, she gets shot. Corbin is there. He's trying to kind of, you know, take care of her. You know, and she tells him, go take care of the fifth element. Take care of Lilu because she is tough, but she can't be tough all on her own. So you have to that's do that. Right. And she also gives one other key piece of uh, uh, wisdom and that the stones are inside of her. What does that mean? It's cryptic, but not that cryptic. It's very literal, quite literal. <laughs> it's quite literal. And actually, I remember the first time seeing this when, you know, she's been shot. Her blood is also blue, which is off-putting in a lot of ways. But mm. he's like, what do you mean? And he literally like 
puts his hand in her wound and like feels around and pulls out this gigantic stone. And when we say a stone, we mean like a piece of concrete that is triangular in shape. It's probably about a foot long, um, Mm -hmm. like a three by three by three and 12 inch kind of long thing. So four stones, they're really big. I don't know how they got in her, um, but you know, she's an alien. She, she's, probably got a zipper somewhere or something anyway yeah um she unfortunately perishes um but she she does give these words of wisdom and the stones to corbin corbin now has the stones and he's got to go find lilu um he finds her and they make a run for it um uh you know zorg has coming back on the ship because he also wants the stone he's like fine i'll do it myself he's hired all these people and none of them have done it but he gets he had put he had made this bomb that was going to go off and he gets there and the bomb's going to go off in like five seconds and uh he thinks that he's subverted it somehow and the the mongolores are like no you're we're all going to die together and so everything blows up but they make it out uh lilu and and uh the whole the good team um Mm -hmm. with ruby rod i mean ruby rod's along for the ride yeah, he's like uh, they, they make it into Zorg's actual ship and they take off and they just barely make it and they've got a couple hours uh to get back to Earth, get into that secret tomb, and perform mm. the ceremony that's gonna save the universe. That's right. I love I love a couple parts about this. And uh yeah, because Zorg goes in, he plants that bomb and he te- steals the case that he thinks the stones are in. Um then he gets back on to like his ship and he just starts laughing like this like maniacal laugh because they're not in there. Like he it's just like it's hilarious that he got duped out of not getting these stones um after the Mongolors uh, basically did the same thing, uh, which is pretty great. Um then they yeah, they steal his ship. Uh Corbin says that it's just like just like the taxi. Uh, that couldn't possibly be true, but but that's that's what he says. And then my my favorite part, it's my, maybe my favorite line in the whole movie. They're flying back. They're headed back to Earth to to save the day. The president calls them on Zorg's ship. I don't know how he knew that they were on Zorg's ship. Um, calls them and is like, hey, this thing's going to hit the Earth in like six hours. And Corbin's just like, I'll call you back in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah. which is which is great and yeah they get back to uh to egypt or wherever this tomb is um somewhere in the middle east like we said um they go they get these stones they get lilu she's laid in the center of this thing uh actually a really cool kind of thing they have the stones and they're like the four elements right because she is the fifth element so they're like how do we how does this thing work you know we put the stones in here but and then they're like oh we gotta they figure out if, that they're blowing on the one so that's like wind and it kind of activates and so you know so then they're like ringing sweat out on to the one and taking a match to the other one and uh you know getting all the elements and then yeah lilu gets activated the big giant sun thing that's coming to destroy the earth uh you know no no big deal for five thousand years we get five thousand more years that's right that's right i don't know where it goes for the five thousand years is it percolating somewhere is it yeah i don't know i don't know is it building up is it is this is this that all the people that are mad in traffic and it just goes out into the ether and turns into a giant anger ball that ends up killing us all i don't know that's right i don't know what happens but it doesn't matter because the earth and the universe in 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 its entirety is at least safe for another five thousand years mm-hmm. and lilu and corbin dallas end up getting together uh corbin admits that he's in love with her and that he has feelings and and he does not want her to just be this thing that comes out every five thousand years he wants to be together with her and that's really lovely and so that's kind of how it ends is that they they find a pod to go hang out together that's that's right yeah they're back at the back at the uh science lab thing in the pod and they have like there's like a screen over it and the doctor's like oh they need more time and yeah they're in there uh yeah uh making out uh having having their alone time i guess after saving the world um but yeah that's how it ends um it is a it is a very zany zany story so let's let's talk a little bit about it we kind of went through the story uh bruce willis as this role uh bruce willis is a funny guy right he uh got his start on tv uh in a comedy uh, and then went on to do die hard so like this action adventure but he definitely has this comedic timing about him and it works really well and this this thing is quirky as all get out it's kind of like a it's kind of like a Monty Python uh, sci-fi story, kind of, right? It's just so random and out there, like all of this stuff. It is. It is. And but Bruce Willis has made a name for himself being like this 
this tough guy who's got this super soft spot, right? Even when he did Die Hard, which we can debate if it's a Christmas movie or not, but he's like this super tough guy who's like, at the end of the day, is like, I just love my wife and I want to be with her. And that's, this persona has serves, serves very well um, in this set, in the way that they do the set direction and the way the script works. Um, mm-hmm. And the script, uh, Luc Besson has been, had been working on this script since he was like 16 years old. So this was a huge labor of love for him. Um, so I, I really think that they could not have picked a better person to really play uh, Corbin Dallas and really bring him to life. Um, mm-hmm. I think what, what's, what's really interesting with, from the character perspective is the, um, again, Gary Oldman's character, because he is such a monster and the way they don't really play off each other at all. There's no scenes where they're really together. Mm-hmm. And yet you really feel like it's, it's definitely him, you know, they're both, it's Zorg versus Corbin. Yeah. And they make that work, I think, because even though they're not seen together and I, I mean, I don't think they ever actually are in the same space. No, I think the only person that's ever with Zorg is uh, Cornelius, the priest. He ends up going into his office as Zorg is kind of, you know, I don't know, kidnapped him, but, you know, called him to his office, basically, or something. Um, and they're talking because he's trying to, you know, get the get the key to these stones and figure out where they're they're at. Um, yeah, it, it, it is weird because they never actually meet and they're kind of the the hero and the the antagonist of the story. And Gary Oldman is is so awesome. I mean, he's he's awesome in everything that he does, really. There's like no bad Gary Oldman roles for sure. But this one this one is wacky and I, I love it. I love his voice. I love, he has like a weird pet little like uh elephant looking thing on his desk that he's like cuddling with like partway through. It's, it's like a garden. Like elephant baby. Yeah. Thing. Um, it's so great in the costuming. And then, and then, yeah, you have, uh, uh, Lilu, who's uh, Mila Jovovich, she was kind of like blowing up at the time, like getting like super popular, and then she went on to do like the the Resident Evil franchise. But she was like getting like all this like crazy popularity. I remember uh, she was a big deal, you know, kind of in the in the late nineties. And then of and then of course Chris Tucker, just being uh, Chris Tucker as uh, Ruby Rod. Uh, what do we what do we think about what do we think about Ruby Ruby Rod? Oh my gosh, he's so completely fearless. Like I mean. Chris, so Chris Tucker has been using, he, he's such a physical kind of comedic actor and he uses mm-hmm. his voice um, and the intonations to really create his humor. But in this one, it was so fast. I mean, if you go back um, and I, I read the, I was using the subtitles and it's so amazing. It's so cle- like, it's so clever the way mm-hmm. that he says certain things and the fact that he he's he's kind of he's so zany and he's got these really strange hairstyle one of them one of his hairstyles looks like a um dryer like a hair dryer it's got this weird <laughs> hair dryer yeah. looking thing and then he's got um kind of this rose he's wearing this rose uh robe that's got all these like look they look like real roses on the collar and they're but they're everywhere and it's just mm-hmm. super in your face and just incredibly zany, <clears throat> but he's also, um, you know, attractive in a way. And that was one thing that I thought was really funny is all these women are like, he is so amazing. Oh my God. He's so great. And he's mm-hmm. super zany. And you're like, you're, he's a nutball, but he just, he just really, it's really great. And the fact that when things start happening and he's doing this, um, radio show live and he's like, come get me, I'm in the front row. And he's just, kind of just deep he's the diva like the most Mm -hmm. diva person in this whole thing is not the nine foot tall blue chick it's it's him and it's It's amazing yeah for sure and then you know uh, this kind of propelled him on too right i mean he was in uh that same year he was also in money talks and jackie brown as well but then the following year was in rush hour and that you know kind of made him explode go onto the scene uh that film series that he did with uh jackie chan there uh (laughs) i love the part when they're they're finally i think they're they're on the ship they get off right before it explodes and he's he's like he's like sweating and he's crying and he's like that was my most (laughs) amazing show ever (laughs) Yeah. Like he's just thinking about himself. He's such a like a narcissist. It's it's hilarious. He's great. And yeah, I mean, all this all this crazy stuff, it all happened 
25 years ago um taking a look at the movie kind of kind of overall i was watching it and i'm like man the the costuming like you'd said is really good the special effects are really good um like all of, like the all of, like the creature stuff um you know kind of that practical stuff and even like the the bigger stuff like at the beginning of the movie when they're they're in egypt like in the early 1900s and the big spaceship comes in it looks awesome for 1997 i think yeah oh yeah no i i mean i i again you know, there's some things that happen in film where everyone loves a movie the year it comes out, and then there there are sleepers that end up developing this cult following. I don't really know what happened here because people loved it when it came out. It didn't mm-hmm. win any Oscars or anything like that. It's not like an esoteric film, but ev- like if you look back now, I guarantee you the blue diva that we have in in Star Wars, it's it's not the same, but I, I had to have been inspired by this whole idea of mm-hmm. going on a ship and having an experience where you're sung to by something that is blue. I don't know, maybe not, but it, mm-hmm. it's that whole adventure. I mean, it really does. It, it was not. It's so much better now when I saw it this time, because I know that it stand the test of time, even from a visual effects perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's done really, really well to stand up to other movies that are coming out now. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the, one of the things that I like about it is just the the world feels very, uh, you know, some, some of the stuff is like very bombastic and the flying cars and the way that the taxi looked right. They're very kind of sci-fi and bombastic looking, but, but just the world feels very lived in. And it's not like, um, you know, you have like a, like a distant future, like in Blade Runner that's more dystopian this just feels like this is just what it's going to be like there's going to be garbage everywhere and the buildings are going to be tall and we're all going to have these tiny little apartments and mail's just going to come like in a slot like right into our into our house like it just it just felt like that's how it was going to be like it didn't feel like it was really like I said it wasn't like a like a dystopian kind of a thing it was just like this is this is what it's going to be like and I really like that kind of this this lived in uh world that we had there um and like you said maybe it didn't get the props maybe for the academy awards i was kind of looking through there for like the costuming and the the special effects and stuff and it looked like those were kind of split up amongst like the three big sci-fi ones i'd said men in black had one uh i think for um the special effects and i think starship troopers had one for uh one of the other um kind of special effects so i think they all they just kind of split them uh you know kind of kind of that way so uh i don't know mm-hmm. it's interesting and yeah 25 years ago so michaela um this was I don't I don't want to say it was a big deal because I don't know that it was a big deal, but you know, people generally liked this when it came out. Was this something that you saw like back in nineties ninety-seven at the at the theater? Did you rent it? Or uh what was I, your I guess first viewing of this like? Yeah, I remember the first time I saw this. I did not see this in the theater. I have uh, two best friends and they're probably listening. Uh Steve, Steven, he named his son Corbin. <laughs> After this I film. thought you were going to say Ruby, Ruby Rod. No, his, no, Ruby no, Rod, Corbin. No? Oh, okay. No, okay. no. He, um, his first, his first son, his firstborn son is named Corbin for this film. My friend Christina, mm. affectionately called Tina in high school. She was like, you've got to see this film. How can you, how, how can you never seen the fifth element? And I was like, I don't know. So I, it was probably like 98, 99 by the time I saw it, because I mm-hmm. uh, saw it at a friend's house. Um, while we were doing kind of a sleepover thing and it was amazing. And, um, but I remember thinking this is like a true action adventure film for the late, for those who were teens in the late nineties, because this is after all of like the Indiana Jones stuff. It's, um, it's after the back to the future stuff, but it's still like this futuristic adventure where, and it's epic. You go from place to place and it mm-hmm. spans space and time. It was right before all of the second Star Wars stuff started hitting theaters. So it was right mm-hmm. in that sweet mm-hmm. spot where we really yeah. needed something that was fairly family friendly. I mean, there's a little bit of questionable stuff in, in this one, but certainly not tons of violence or nudity. Um, it's just, it's a great ride. It's so fun. Yeah. And yeah, I loved pretty... it then. I love it now. Yeah, it is. It is pretty fun and it's a, a wild ride. And yeah, you, you bring up a good point. It was kind of right before, uh, you know, Star Wars came back in 99. So it was kind of right in that, in that point where things started getting kind of like ultra realistic. You had uh, Quentin Tarantino coming in, you know, with, you know, kind of more of this like sensationalized, like, like violence and more like adult driven, like narratives. So this was, this was just kind of, kind of fun um, in that same, 
kind of in you know in that vein of these uh space adventures or like serial uh sort of adventures that star wars indiana jones those kinds of things were um i don't remember exactly when i would have seen this the first time i think i probably rented it sometime um in high school but i do remember when i bought my playstation 2 uh which had a dvd player built in which is why the playstation 2 sold like a billion of them um but one of the things when you got it or at least when i got mine was that you could pick uh, like three dvds for free and you just sent off and they like mailed them to you as part of like the promotion for buying one and this was one of the dvds that i got um so yeah so i've always uh really just kind of liked this i like i like science fiction in, in general and uh stuff like that and i think just seeing like weird creatures and and like that kind of story and the sense of humor i think is is really good and it fits it really well and bruce willis can kind of lean into it and ham it up and you know kind of yeah. you know <laughs> more of the kind of the not necessarily like slapsticky but kind of like the gaggy uh sort of sort of humor in there i just think that it works in this world uh for some reason really good and that's that's why it was back on the big screen 25 years later um which is which is pretty cool so yeah. uh if you're watching or if you're listening along at home, let us know what you think about The Fifth Element. Um, if you watched it in theaters, if you've seen it, if this is an uh, introduction to you, uh, please go check it out. We uh, highly recommend it. Um, if you've never seen it before, you're probably going to watch it and be like, this thing is zany and nutty and I don't know what they're on about this thing being good. But I don't think that. I think that you'll find a a true gem here in this one. So do that to make yourself a Foston Paradise Um to have with it because it's delicious and uh, pretty easy to put together. So if you do that, take a picture, send it in to us. We want to see it. You can tag us on Instagram and Twitter. It's at drink the movies and on facebook.com slash drink the movies. If you want to see pictures of the ones that we made um, episode recaps, all that good stuff, you can do that on our website, which is www.drinkthemovies.com. And, you know, after you go on your pleasure cruise to Floston, uh, you have a cocktail or two, uh, maybe you have an extra minute and you could go by your, uh, podcast player and leave your favorite podcast or review Michaela where can they do that you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Stitcher anywhere that anchor podcasts are distributed and supported um, we do two drops a week we would love it if you subscribed if you're loving what you're hearing on drink the movies leave us a five-star review that would be so awesome and we are so excited about the community that we're building that brings cocktails and movies together and be part of it. Leave us a review so it, we can help reach more people. Absolutely. Absolutely. We definitely appreciate that. And we definitely appreciate everyone who uh, sends us some pictures and uh, chats with us online. Uh, definitely appreciate that. And I definitely appreciate having a Floss in Paradise. So I think, Michaela, we need to go and mix up another one of these because this could be this could be my new like go to cocktail when I don't want when I don't want a martini and I don't want a whiskey. I think I think this is it. I think this is my new my new Ooh. house favorite. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, I mean, that makes me so happy when we find ones that we love so much that we're going to we're going to keep in our back pocket for uh, for random random Tuesday drinks or whatever. That's awesome. That, yeah, no, this that, was this was really tasty. This was a tasty one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to go mix those up and then we will, uh, we're heading to the, heading to the movie theater. So, uh, we will, uh, check in with everyone next time on drink the movies. The movies. You're not the president. You don't sound like the president. We didn't even talk about his mom keeps calling. The whole time. Oh my God. <laughs> she knows it's a multi-pass. Anyway, we're in love. That's my favorite line. Multi-pass.